Hey folks, it's Theo. Before we jump into this week's podcast, I wanted to take a moment and reach out to thank you all for your continued support of the Batman universe. Now, there are some changes going on at TVU, and we really want you to be a part of it. Whether it's as a site contributor, or a book reviewer, or just an active participant on either our Patreon or our Discord server, there's something for you at the Batman universe. Now, more is going to be coming out. But until then, reach out to us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know what you're interested in. Or you can reach out to me directly on our Discord server. I really look forward to hearing from you guys. But until then, thank you again for your continued support and I hope you enjoy the show. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hey there, Bat fans. This is Scott, and joining me today is BJ, and we have a special guest. Um, you're listening to the Batman Universe podcast. We were on a brief hiatus, but um, we will be back to our regular schedule. We're going to go to a bi-weekly format, except for the 4th of July, but after that should be every other week. Same thing as usual. Um, new episodes, news, you know, uh, interviews. And, and just whatever movie news and Batman-related news comes out. Um, I wanted to jump over, though, to our special guest. If you listen to the comic podcast for TVU, you already know him. He is our editor-in-chief. Um, happy to announce Theo has joined us today. How you doing, guys? Great. How about you? Uh, it's a Monday, and it feels like a Sunday, but I'm happy to be here. Theo recently took over editor-in-chief duties for the site. Um, he is the one kind of leading the charge. Um, if you guys remember Dustin on the podcast, he had to step away. His on, his on the personal side, his work business is booming, so it wasn't you know anything bad. It was a very it was for good reasons, but um, Theo stepped up and is leading us to, into a whole new era of Batman news and Batman fandom. So I'm excited about that. that. I'm excited and jealous. I mean, you know, for him, business is booming, you know, and that, that's that's a pretty good reason to, to have to step away, you know, where you have to focus on what pays the bills. And, you know, I can't be mad at him. Like I say, if anything, I'm probably jealous, but I'm more than happy to you know, step up and uh, take the reins and 
continue leading the site focus forward. And yeah, no, that's really, it was, it's really nice to hear that it's for good reasons. Um, it's kind of like when Batman goes away and the Bat family takes over. Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson just stepped in. <laughs> Dick Grayson yeah. steps in until Jason gets mad and wants it himself. The cow should be mine. There'll be no battle for the cow here, so it's all. <laughs> all no, <laughs> we're all just hanging out. Um, we have a loaded episode today. A lot going on. You know, we have Schumacher cut uh, updates as we're recording this. Kevin Smith is recording his, and we'll get into that in a second. Casting rumors for Superman and the Batman Part Two. Um, and then a Flash movie review. Um, so a lot to cover, a lot to get through. Before we jump into it, you know, if you guys haven't checked out our site, thebatmanuniverse.net, you should. So you can get all your up-to-date, you know, movie news, you know, comic reviews, movie reviews, everything. Our Discord also will be linked below. And that is where we have a lot of uh, conversations in between episodes and pretty much daily about all sorts of bat related topics so it gets pretty active in there you should join and hang out with us um but first we're gonna jump to the schumacher cut i'll do a quick kind of update on what this is i don't know how much people know or don't know about this because personally i've known about you know what they're talking about for quite a few years now it's always been kind of like a weird rumor on the internet except they didn't call it the schumacher cut until after the whole Zack Snyder Justice League cut thing started gaining traction and they relabeled it, I originally knew this as the Red Book edition of Batman Forever. But for those who don't know, there has always been this other version of um, Batman Forever that Joel Schumacher made that apparently is like 50 minutes longer. It's darker, it's moodier, it goes more into the psyche of you know Bruce Wayne. Um, the first 15 minutes is totally different than what we see in the final cut of Batman Forever that released, like, I don't know, almost 30 years ago, 25 years ago, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, this is this is just something that's been rumored to have been around a long time. The giant bat that Bruce Wayne sees in a dream sequence in Batman Forever has a much bigger, more important part in, you know, what was traditionally called the Red Book Edition. Um, BJ, you reviewed a book by Travis Langley um, called Batman and Psychology. And I interviewed him for a previous episode as well. And part of his book does deal with this longer version of Batman Forever, you know, and what could have been. So that's how old this uh, cut of this movie has been floating around. But recently, Kevin Smith said he has a copy of the Schumacher cut, has seen it, and he was going to review it. And it's supposed to drop, or at least it seems like it's recording today. So are you guys excited for this? Do you have any interest in it? Um, so, yeah, like you, I've heard about this Red Book uh, edition or cut or whatever it is. And I always wonder, like, how they always say, like, oh, it's so different. It's so different. But, like, I've seen, like, a couple deleted scenes uh, from Batman Forever, and it's Val Kilmer standing in front of, like, that giant, like, mechanical bat or whatever they had in the movie and then like he comes out because he i guess in a, there's a little bit of it where he like forgets he's batman after he's winged uh by two-face with the bullet and i guess i think that's a big part of that that's when he sees that giant bat and then i think you said in our show notes too there's like an opening with two-face 
escaping Arkham Asylum, which that I've always known that from the comic adaptation of Batman Forever. I don't know if you guys have ever read that, but that's how the comic opens with like Two-Face escaping and writing in blood like the bat must die. And I've always read it. I'm like, why isn't this in the movie? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, I love to see – we don't see Arkham in that movie until the very end. Yeah, that's true. I did read that graphic novel uh, a long time ago, so I don't remember it. But I used to collect those. But, yeah, I do – I mean, it, it would make sense because when the way they write those, or at least how they originally wrote those, they would get a copy of the script first and, you know – I think it was Denny O'Neill that was writing all those. And then whoever was paired with art would just kind of go through. And that's why, like, even if you look at, like, the returns in 89, there are differences, you know. Yeah, definitely the, the um, definitely the 89 one. There's, like, a few differences. Like, at the end, yeah. he, like, throws his cape on Alexander Knox or whatever, and that doesn't happen in the movie. So. I, I, so I'm, I'm only saying this because I am not a fan of any of the Schumacher movies, so I will just go on record and say I don't care about a Schumacher cut, even if it is a little bit more darker, although that might have made it better. And if you're telling me that the the, the bat uh, that was in the movie plays a bigger role, and then, you, and then I find out that it's actually Barbados, which I really hate in the comics uh i will probably despise it even more but you know these notions of getting this cut and that cut you know that's been out and about since you know zach snyder and david ayers with um suicide squad i'm 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 if you have to go through all that to make a bad movie better you know, usually it typically doesn't work out that way anyway. I mean, that's fair. And that's under, and that like, that makes sense. I think the thing I've always been curious about is like one of the like stories behind Batman Forever is that before Jim Carrey got it, Robin Williams was approached to play the Riddler and he turned it down because he thought it was too dark. And I always wonder like, you know, like Joel Schumacher, you know, he has a very specific reputation for his Batman films and for good reason. But like he also did Falling Down. You know, he's done other things that tonally are very different. So I've always been curious, like, <laughs> is there it's a legacy weird. there beyond nipples, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's weird how uh, we have this darker Batman forever book. I mean, he got another chance with Batman Robin, and that's. Where was the? There's no darker tone there. I doubt there's a Batman or Robin cut somewhere. <laughs> oh, please don't, don't, don't do that to me. Please don't do that, BJ. I mean, I, more and, ice and, jokes and that one. And, and, and if anything, and this is no disrespect to Tommy Lee Jones, who is a phenomenal actor, but if there was gonna be a follow-up to Two Face in the continuity that was Batman 89, there really, really should have been a way for them to bring back Billy D. You know, yeah. he, he he was the original in 89. They should have figured out a way to get him back for 80. I mean, for uh, Batman Forever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, I think, part of what fueled my intense, you know, desire to read the 89 comic that came out recently was like you know it's 
it's it's Tim Burton, he's sure, but like this is the you know fabled like what if Billy D. Williams was Toothpaste? And it was, you know, they got Sam Hammond to write it. It was a really unique take on that character, something that I hadn't seen before in terms of how he, you know, what being Two Face means and how it operates differently from the comics or you know from the movies. It was a it was a great follow up though, of what could yeah. have been. It really was. Yeah. Well, I guess when this episode drops on Friday, for everyone listening, we are recording this on Monday, June nineteenth, the day that supposedly we're going to hear more from Kevin Smith. So when it drops, hopefully we have juicy morsels to go over and see what the deal is, and if you know this means they're going to release it on DVD or Blu-ray or digital or whatever. Uh, I'm pretty sure if 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 there's enough, we'll be seeing campaigns all across social media for it. So our next topic is the uh, DCU um, casting rumors. We're gonna we actually have two, but we're gonna start with the Superman casting rumors that are supposed to take place either today or tomorrow or this past weekend, somewhere around now. But. Um, I'll just read the quote we have because it, it kind of lists out who everybody is, but insiders close to the process say the first in-person tests with uh, DC co-heads, um, Peter Safran and James Gunn, you know, will take place on Father's Day weekend or the Monday or Tuesday after. And for Superman or Clark Kent, they're looking at Nicholas Holt, David Corwinswet, and Tom Brittany testing for that character. And for Lois Lane, we have Emma Mackey, Rachel Brosnahan, and Phoebe Diviner, I've probably butchered that, but all three of those are testing for Miss Lane. Um, sources added that some of the test deals are still being negotiated and haven't all closed, but that as of now, these are the names expected to participate in the auditions. So it seems like they're circling, um, you know, a, a, getting closer to who they're picking potentially for the upcoming James Gunn Superman movie. Do you guys have any thoughts on um, who they're picking before? All, all I'm going to say is, because I'm only familiar with Nicholas Holt and Rachel Brosnahan, I probably need to go see more movies and watch more stuff because I, I am not familiar with anyone else at all. Yeah, same. I, I really only know uh, Nicholas Holt strictly from the X-Men movies. Um I could see him being like a pretty good, like he looks like Clark Kent, like throw glasses on. He can look like a good Clark Kent. And, you know, I'm sure he'll get on some insane, uh, if he does get the role, he'll get on some insane workout program and get uh, pretty jacked and ripped for Superman. But yeah, I have no brain for like fan casting or like who I think should be play the role or anything. I just kind of, whoever they say, I go with and on with that. Yeah, I, I remember yeah, I, think- I remember he was on the short list to be the eventual Batman that Robert Patterson ended up getting a few years ago. So it's obvious that, that Warner Brothers have an interest in him. So I, but I could see him as well. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, you know, like, you know, from what I've seen of his work, he's, you know, he, he plays, he's usually very animated, but you know, I've seen him do Catherine the Great where he's kind of like a megalomaniac, you know, Ruler or, you know, Mad Max Fury Road or, you know, Beast in the X-Men movies where it's a little more, 
it's it's different than that, but still, you know, has its own very animated. You know, he's very. I, he just seems like a very charismatic actor, and like he's the one I know the most of the others. I did look up to see, you know, what work they've done, and it's not. I haven't really seen any of their work previously, which probably speaks, I guess, more to my age than anything else. But um, so it'll be all kind of new to me. But um, it's nice to know that they're getting closer to, you know, casting and, you know, maybe we can see this movie put in production soon and hear a little bit more about that. I don't know, considering what we're going to be talking about later. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get to that, um, the the other bit of casting rumor news that came out recently was, um, was for the Batman part two. And, um, we have two people in the lead apparently to play Harvey Dent or Two-Face. And I find both of these names very interesting and I like different things about each actor. And I think I do have a favorite, but we'll get to that in a second. But the two that they're circling, it seems like for this role are either Josh Hartnett or Joel Edgerton. So do you guys have thoughts or do you have a preference for who you'd rather see over the other? Um, not, not really. I mean, I think that they're both fine. I remember Josh Hartnett, he's been involved in like, wasn't he supposed to be Superman? Like in that Batman Superman movie that was canceled like way back when in the early 2000s. Do you remember that? It might have been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were looked, trying to make that movie for like 10, 15 years. Forever. Yeah. Good. I think. Yeah. So I remember he, he was, he was either up for Superman or Batman, but yeah, I think he could play a cool, um, Harvey Dent, I think, um, is it? So I guess it, this is confirmed that Harvey Dent's showing up in the Batman. Uh, maybe he'll pop up in the Penguin. We don't know. But, yeah, I guess we're on that the path to uh, Two-Face. Well, I, I, I guess for me, I guess Harvey is, or at least Two-Face is going to be an older character in this movie if if, if Flint if for fact he is going to be in part two, but I mean, I'm used to Harvey and Bruce being closer in age, you know, and, and, and Scott was talking about him aging himself, but I remember seeing Josh Hartnett when Pearl Harbor debuted back in the ages. So, um, so, you know, it makes me wonder how they're actually going to present Harvey, you know, considering considering history between uh, Harvey Dent and, and Bruce Wayne, how they're going to play that out. Yeah, no, it will be. I mean, I wonder if he's going to be like a slightly older, you know, I mean on the one end part of me is like well he needs to be established and maybe it's kind of like the realism like you know this harvey dent has worked his way up to being da or whatever so that's why he's a little bit older so the time that like you know batman's in his prime and harvey dent is a like a fully functioning da in gotham like i don't know maybe it it makes sense there somehow you know because you know you're not gonna come right out and be super young and be da right away but you know, maybe it also could be more of a uh, older mentor type figure, kind of like how, you know, Gordon has traditionally been for Batman. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. 
out of the two choices, maybe he's yeah. more friends with Jim Gordon than Bruce yeah. Wayne. Maybe that's where they yeah. they sit up a little bit. I can see that. True. Yeah, I could totally see that. You know, so that might um, you might be right, but you know, I guess out of the two. I like Josh Hartnett. I think he can do it. You know, I really, the first thing that comes to mind, I think is like 30 days of night or something. And like, that's the Josh Hartnett that I think of in here. But Joel Edgerton, Joel Joel Edgerton, um, he's, he could really play creepy. So (laughs) I think he could be like really nice and like have the charisma, but he also could be really creepy. I always, I think of like the gift for that. And so like, for you know Matt Reeves' world and how like grim, dark, and moody and noir it is, maybe Joel Edgerton is like the perfect fit there because you know Edgerton might be able to tap into you know that other side of Harvey Dent before he's you know hit with acid and transformed. Well, I mean, the only reason why I would say Josh Hartnett is is only because I am. Not familiar with Joel Edgerton. Edgerton, um, you know, I looked at his filmography, and I'm again to kind of go back to what I said in the Superman casting. I need to get out more because I'm not even familiar with most of the stuff that he's done on screen, and I am not a Star Wars fan, so please don't at me, y'all. And I know he did a couple of roles there, including on. Uh, Obi-Wan, but yeah, that's and that's me only saying it because of because of familiarity familiarity with you know, seeing some of the stuff that Hartnett has done in the past, but um, I don't know I, I, still some questions on who this Harvey Dent is going to be, and it could be how BJ said, you know, it could be more of him and him and Jim coming up together than what we've known of the three in comic book history. Yeah. And I mean, like that could make for like a really, I, I think of there's an annual, I can't think of the number. It came out in like 92 or 93. I want to say it was a Batman annual. It was all about two faces. Basically it was the earliest story I've read where, you know, he goes and, confronts his father and tries to murder his father. It was Batman, like, Batman annual. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. BJ lost. Yeah, it was it was it was annual <laughs> I want to say it was either annual two or annual four, but it was from volume one. Yeah, and it, and and it's Harvey, it's two face on the cover and the only thing is I mean he just his face is just like full blown and he's flipping the coin. Yeah, I remember that. It's but that one I I bring it up because I think there was a good thread in there where, you know, Batman's like something's going on with Harvey. Like I don't trust him because I was going into his history, you know, over the years. I thought, and you know, Jim's like, well, just, you know, he's our friend. He's helping us. And then, like, obviously, as it progresses and the years go by, you know, we see this trauma unleash and you know it's just interesting because in that one you know batman's the one that's more suspicious and jim gordon is the one that's like whoa 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 slow down you know yeah it was annual 14 and it was 90 1990 
<laughs> Great book for anybody listening. You should read it. You should find it. You could probably pick it up in the back issues for pretty cheap. Oh yeah, you could probably find you could probably find that in the dollar bin. Or if you have a DCU Infinite, it's definitely on there. Now we're gonna move to that thing I know, Theo. You really want to talk about? Um, <laughs> BJ wrote the review. Um, by the time this posts, it'll be live on the site. Um, so we know where so we know where BJ stands. But the Flash movie came out last Friday, or I guess last Thursday. Um, I have to recuse myself because I was bad and I had all weekend and I didn't go. And Theo dragged himself to go, and uh, I feel I was... guilty about it. But I am going to hit you guys with some questions and just let you guys take it away. But We'll start off with we'll start with the spoiler-free thoughts. We'll do a couple questions there, and then we'll hop over to spoiler sections. So, everybody listening, if you haven't seen it, you know you'll be warned ahead of time before we get too far into spoiler territory. But out of five batterings, how many would you give it? So, um, I gave it on the review. I gave it four four out of five. Uh, stars like wow, you really, I haven't read the review. You really liked it. VJ <laughs> <laughs> really liked it, y'all. <laughs> uh, I, I liked it, you know, uh, just to say it out there. So, four out of five uh, batterings for me. For me, so be, before we started recording, uh, we kind of talked about it, and, and there were some bad stuff, but there were some decent things in it as well as a as a comic book fan usually when these movies come out i'm typically in there on a thursday and i strictly view it as a comic book fan going in there pulling out what what works and what comes from the books and where where a, a creative team may have gone awry with fitting their plot for the movie um but I, I, there were some things as we get into the spoilers that I just could not let go as a comic book fan. However, this was so in my list of DCEU movies, you know, my top two has always been Man of Steel and Aquaman, and everything else is just fighting for the bottom of the barrel. Uh, this while not bottom of the barrel is still far and away from those top two. Um, but I will, I will probably give it a two and a half, three. I don't think it's as bad as the numbers are showing it because the tracking right now is would probably cost some people their jobs if things hadn't already been changed at Warner Brothers with DC. Uh, but I, I I think it's better than what the numbers will show for it. But yeah, I would I will say two and a half for me. It was average. To be fair too, I think, you know, what you're touching on, Theo, we'll probably call it the Ezra Miller effect with like the online tracking like you always have to wonder how much of that is informed by you know the lead not being able to advertise this movie at all because they went on a crazy crime spree 
um, before it's, you know, a year before it's released. So, you know, there is that. Um, how did you two feel about, we'll talk about the Batman parts of it before we get into spoiler territory. How did you feel about Michael Keaton's return? Loved it. I really liked that. I thought he, I mean, he, I, my mind, uh, he was the best part of the movie, kind of. I just kind of, seeing him in that cow, I was like back being a kid watching those uh, VHSs, uh, running those over and over. And it was awesome to see his Batman do more fighting-wise. Yeah. Uh, just because fight scenes are filmed differently now than, you know, Burton really wasn't breaking it down uh, back then. But it was just kind of awesome to just to see the way he moved and stuff. Oh, yeah. It, it, he was definitely the best part of the movie. And, 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 you know, when it came to marketing, they did their best to show Keaton. And, you know, what, what this shows is that if they ever decided to do a Dark Knight Returns with an older Batman, Keaton, Keaton's the one to do it. He, he still has it, you know. And if the rumors are true that even with the new direction James Gunn is taking uh, DC movies into and he's still planning on being a part of it, I'm definitely on board for it. Cool. Um, what did you guys think about Ben Affleck's turn? Really, uh, not much. I don't know what you thought, Theo, but he was in it like five minutes. Like they kind of, he hyped up that it was like his best time playing the character, but I think it was more his best time playing the character because he was on set for probably a day with his lines and bounce. Like he must've loved being that, but it was cool seeing him. Like there really wasn't like kind of like a final goodbye or anything like that once he once he said bye it was he was done i can't express my full thoughts on this until we we get over the spoiler wall um you know affleck could have been a really great batman with the right creative direction in the DCEU. Um, and yeah, he was he was in the movie for about five minutes, no more than ten. And you know there was there was nothing memorable there was nothing memorable that was good, at least for me. And and like I said, I can't say more until we get over the spoiler wall with it. Well, I guess we can uh, put our spoiler warning up now. Those are the questions I had for the spoiler-free territory. I figure if people are listening this far, they have seen it or they are okay with uh, going to spoiler town. So, Theo, you may continue your thoughts into spoiler territory and Affleck before we jump to the other questions. Uh, it's just, of all the things that they could do, and the action scene with Ben were great, you know, just, you know, I, and that, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed. If there was only one thing I enjoyed about BBS, of course, there's that, that fight scene in the warehouse, but you know, the last part when Diana has him, the, the thief and eventually Barry all wrapped some type of way in 
the lasso of truth and then it ends with him standing there like he's basically hiding an erection because he's talking about his feelings for Diana because it's obvious from Justice League that there was a plan to move those two in a direction of some type of relationship and they seem to be expanding upon that when those two are looking at each other but the notion that at the end of it he's standing there covering himself it's just I I hated it I absolutely hated that that was the that that was the last part that we got of Ben Affleck as Batman of course he shows up you know a little bit later talking to Barry about the whole time travel thing but the fact that, that that's the last time we see him in a bat suit is just it's just wrong maybe that's why he was so happy to get out of there when he did it's just I hated it yeah uh, that scene was like it, they were essentially just kind of using the same joke that they used in the weed and thought where like if you got like the lasso's touching and you're like you're literally just spewing everything that's on your brain so it is I did I I agree with you I did not like that part and that true like after like this awesome action scene where he's kind of like grappled onto a car and he's kind of like on that highway kind of like skating back and forth and he jumps over his car and to have Affleck's like final scene in the cowl be that was a little little off <laughs> yeah, it, as as a huge Batman fan, you know, and and we all are, which is why we're here. You know, that's that's not the way I wanted to see Ben Affleck go out. That's just, uh, I just can't. I can't. It was dumb. a moment of glory. Were there any surprise cameos? Uh, you weren't expecting. I know there's a rumor, I think we talked about it like a while back, like on an episode, that turned out to be true, and I think we were joking about it. Like, I think it was the George Clooney rumor. Am I right? Yeah, I missed that rumor, so I was definitely shocked when, you know, I knew something was happening because when Barry is on the phone talking to Bruce, it's definitely not Ben Affleck's voice that you hear. So you know something is up, but I was not expecting it to be George Clooney. So that was a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was going to be Keaton because it was kind of modeled, but then the car pulls up and it is, it was Clooney. And I, I was kind of happy seeing him back. I think, I don't know if he's going to be, I'm sure we'll get into this at some point. I don't think he's going to be the Batman down the line or anything, but it was kind of like a nice little, like, callback easter egg to dc film history that kind of after a few minutes before clooney showed up there was a lot of dc film history uh surprises and cameos and 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 let me just say i as far as batman are concerned i don't think any of the guys that played batman since michael keaton were bad i just think the movies that they were drawn into were bad, and I blame Schumacher for that. So, another, add that as another reason I don't want to see the Schumacher cut. 
well, BJ mentioned, you know, a Batman and Robin extended cut. And now I want to see it. I want to see on my shelf Batman and Robin yeah, edition or something. <laughs> <laughs> now I was I also was not and I know it was a there was all the the rage going around on on social media about the Christopher Reeve Superman piece, but I was not expecting the Nicolas Cage piece either. Although I thought that whole sequence with all of the Superman was kind of dumb, considering Superman is everywhere but on that one Earth with, you know, Barry and the gang. So, I, if they had other heroes involved, I could see it. But I don't know. I just thought that was odd. Yeah the the uh, like you said like um. The tour through like the Superman multiverse there was having the Nick Cage kind of I can't imagine some like obviously we know the deal with all that and how the canceled movie and everything but I'm sure some general audience member was like must have turned to someone and was like why is Nick Cage with long hair and why is he even in this like that must have kind of confused like a hell of a lot of people but obviously like the diehards like us like we kind of know the whole backstory on that so I would be fascinated to talk to someone who didn't know the story with that and hear what their thoughts were on it. Or even if they knew it was Nick Cage, like, because it kind of looks completely different than what Nick Cage looks like now. We should actually get into the death of Superman lives sometime, like as a off topic, you know, in the future. Cause I, like I have the documentary, it's pretty good. You know, I really enjoy it. And it actually comes up in conversation a lot. Cause someone was talking to me, today of all places at work about Nicolas Cage as Superman. And so I was like, well, I have this documentary. You should watch it. But I've never, I've never seen the documentary. Me neither. I've seen the Kevin Smith, uh, like when he talks about it, but I've never yeah. seen the documentary. I don't know. I'll have to see if I have like a digital copy or something to share. That'll be for everybody listening. <laughs> maybe that'll be something we do in the future. Cause it is really interesting. And um, the documentary showed me that this is a movie I probably would have loved the hell out of back when it happened. But anyways, back to The Flash. Um, how'd you guys feel about the plot? So, uh, the plot, I think we we all kind of knew what to expect, how it was. There was elements of Flashpoint, the comic series. And it was, it did take some twists that I wasn't expecting like we really never got uh, a final we never really find out who did kill Barry's mom like that's kind of left out in the open like I doubt they're gonna ever go ever come back to this to be honest and if they do I don't know if they're gonna go the reverse flash route so I guess maybe we're to assume it's just kind of random muggers or something I don't know but yeah I did I thought the plot was fine I wasn't really, I don't know, I'm kind of blanking right now. But yeah, I thought the plot was kind of what I expected. Yeah, it's, the plot was okay. Again, I think it suffered a lot with just some of the overall decisions that were done in the movie. Um 
the flashpoint elements that were included were okay um one of the things that is just so tough for me as a comic book fan to get over is the fact that not everything from the comic books is going to make its way to the big screen even though you know like i said when that when on that thursday that premiere thursday i'm always in there and that's what i'm doing uh so i'm definitely i was definitely unfairly judging it from that um but it it was okay. It, it 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 had some it had some high points. It had some definite low points as well. And it had a couple of digs too that I that at least I felt they were doing. You you know out of those high points, you know, do you have any particular favorite moments that stand out to you? Or I mean, aside from like the Michael Keaton stuff, I guess we'll say. Well, I mean, the Michael Keaton stuff was was pretty much the high the high points of the movie. You know where they get into Wayne Manor, and you know Michael Keaton is bearded up and long-haired, looking you know like a hobo, barefooted, drawing slippers at him. Um, that whole sequence was just awesome. You know, with them, you know, not really knowing who he is, um, or at least not that Barry knowing who he is and then realizing, okay, you know, and when Barry, okay, so let's get this out of the way. Barry Prime and Barry Flashpoint. All right. So Barry Flashpoint is just dumb, but Barry Prime, you know, at that point realizing, hey, a lot of stuff has changed. You know, this is, this is not my Bruce. Um, really, you know, but that whole sequence with them in, the manner, you know, before realizing Michael Keaton is Bruce Wayne was really fun. Um, and that whole explanation of time. And I don't know if BJ felt the same way that I did when they were going through it, but I felt that they were digging at Marvel and their idea of time travel when, you know, 100%. When, 100% they were. Yeah, when when Bruce, when Michael Keaton basically said, you know, the idea of when you time travel, you create a branch. You know, he, he, that's all bull, you know, and he yeah. it doesn't work yeah. like that. This is how it works. And it actually makes some sense. And the only thing that just threw it off for me was that at one point he said, and I don't know if he meant it as tongue in cheek or not, but he was basically saying that Flashpoint created the multiverse and I just can't accept that, you know, and he, he, he said that and a friend of mine who also saw it, you know, he didn't hear it the first time and on a rewatch he did and he was like, I don't know why he said that because again, it doesn't make sense. But up until that line, the whole idea of Marvel's explanation for time travel versus DC's made a whole lot of sense. I, it, it's it's more plausible seeing it the way Keaton explained it compared to how Bruce and Bruce and oh, um, the, the ancient one, the ancient one, yeah, was explaining it in Endgame. 
Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, right when he said, like, when he said, like, you've heard in the past of, like, setting off branches or whatever, he's like, nah, it's all bull. Like, I think it was he, awesome. He, he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the way he said it, the way I kind of took it where it was, like, there's always kind of, like, a set point and, like, yeah, he was doing it with spaghetti. The way he was doing it with uh, the uncooked spaghetti made, I was definitely following it. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it, it fits more into what DC does in the comics, but also in just in general, when you think about time traveling, you hear or read about time travel, where no matter what you do, certain things have to happen. You know, there are certain inevitabilities and, you know, whether you're a Doctor Who fan, whether you've read H.G. Wells' Time Machine, certain things have to happen. There's nothing you could do in your time travel that could prevent those things from happening. And, you know, it was brought up even in Legends of Tomorrow. There were certain things that had to happen with time that... It was so important that they had time cops guarding those those points in time. So you don't see that mentioned as much in the MCU, but it's definitely a more plausible explanation of how time travel is. And I thought they did a good job of putting that out there into the whole multiverse creation line. You think that will feed into, you know, I know they talked about Booster Gold as one of, you know, James Gunn's projects in the future, you know, and that's, I think most people who really like Booster Gold, the stories they point to are the ones where he's kind of the reluctant time cap or time cop, time cap, time cop traveling around with Rip Hunter, you know, and like there's, I know the one, I can't, it's been a while since I read it, but like the story where um, he had to make sure Coast City got obliterated you know it's such a sad tragic story but it was like one of those fixed points this has to happen right you know yeah i could see i could see that happening um if there was ever a reason to tie james gunn's james gunn's vision of the dcu to what we're ending in the dceu that would be it you know booster explaining how these fixed points may have been messed with you know creating this new world that we're in now uh but yeah i'm 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 I'm, i could see that happening you know with with moving on into gun's vision so i just want to like i don't know if you kind of bumped into this deal but it wasn't exactly the total universe reset like we like i think we all kind of assumed it would be like we knew because i think there's flashpoint like that kind of sets off the new 52 and and, like everything's different with there with that but this kind of just like nothing's really it doesn't give us like a like there's really nothing to show us that it's a new no universe there there is what i mean like it just kind of ends for that to have happened we would have needed the best way it could have happened would have been how Flashpoint ended in the animated universe, with new costumes, new everything, new costumes. Like kind yeah, of, we actually see differences. Yeah, and and to say that there's a reset, you know, when you see at the end, Constantine tells Barry, "You know what you need to do," and he goes out and he 
resets everything with a new flashpoint. You know, that that would have been that would have been the best handoff from one world to another. But I can also not see it happening because, you know, how many times was this movie delayed? You know, and by the yeah. time, you know, Gunn comes in to say, hey, I'm doing a reset. They weren't going to do a, re- a reshoot to make all that happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be like Superman legacy comes out like it's just a new like they're just going to ignore everything that kind of happened. And it's just a new thing. Like, yeah, there was no like this is not going to lead into like if you're ever going to do the DC movie marathon, it's not going to be the flash leading into Superman legacy or anything. It's just going to be a new thing. Nope. You, you, you'll never see an article on how to how to read the DC movies in order. Yeah. Going from the Snyderverse into James Gunn's world. That yeah. would never happen. Um, you know, with all that being said, you know, we found out just before this movie dropped that the director of The Flash, you know, Andy Bucciati, is has been announced as directing Batman Brave and the Bulls. So two questions there. One, do you think it's a good idea? Are you into that? Two, do you think given the box office results and everything going on right now as it stands after the opening weekend, that that will continue and he will keep directing Brave and the Bold? Or do you think there will be a switch at some point? I would be... (laughs) So again... (laughs) The Flash wasn't as bad as the numbers will show. You know, was it great? No. Was it terrible? Definitely not. Um, I I just don't know. I mean, there were just... The Flash was doomed from the start, in my opinion. It had how many directors before it landed on? Muschietti, you know, what, three, four different teams of directors, creative people before they landed here. So it was, and then there was the whole, that was even before the whole Ezra Miller mess. So it was kind of doomed from the start. Um, And seeing that, you know, the reasons that all these previous directors left also because of creative reasons make you wonder how much input he may have had into the making of this film compared to what's going to happen in The Brave and the Bold. And I'm not... I'm not a huge, I'm not a movie guy with regards to production and blah, blah, blah. But I am also pretty certain that things in the animated world is far different than what we see on in live action. So I am willing to give him a shot, but we may see in the brave and the bold once it hits amazon that uh it may end up having several directors 
Yeah, so like uh, Theo said, like there's been so many um, directors and writers, and I remember Ezra Miller and Grant Morrison wrote a script of uh, the movie and everything like that. So I think that this is kind of like the best version of this movie that we could have gotten considering everything that's happened previous, like Ezra Miller controversy stuff aside. So yeah, and I'll I'll give Muschietti a shot. Like um, I haven't seen the movies. I'm not a big horror guy, but those everything I've read about those, like everyone kind of likes those or has like a fondness for them. And the best parts of this movie are the Batman stuff. Like let's be honest, like uh, the Affleck scene at the beginning, a lot of the Keaton stuff. Like I like the, the stuff he did with the Batwing was interesting. It was different than what we saw previously with the Burton Batwing. So putting all that together, like, yeah, I'll be happy to have him kind of be in charge of a, of a Batman movie. So he'll have my, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to see the Batman movie either way, no matter who's directing it, but uh, I'm all aboard. Now remind me, is Brave and the Bold supposed to be a full length animated or is it supposed to be a series on Amazon? I I think it's supposed to be a live action uh, bat family centered film with like Damian Wayne being that's all I know about it is Cape, you know, Cape Crusader is the animated series that's what I'm thinking about yeah, yeah that's Cape Crusader yeah, okay I'm, I'm thinking yeah. the wrong thing yeah okay. we got a lot of Batman stuff right yeah James, James Gunn need to slow it down so <laughs> <laughs> it's turned into DC Comics prints over there with the DCU uh, <laughs> um ah oh, Brave and the Bold that's right that's the Damian Wayne the Damian yeah. Wayne one. Yeah. Yeah. But um I'm still willing to give him a chance. Again, if yeah, especially well, considering he's starting from scratch. You know Mushietti walked into a lot of stuff that he just had to pick up and bring with him. I think that's fair. You know, and like I really liked it chapter one especially, so like it's just leaning on that work. Like I, I dig it. So it's Brave and the we'll Bold supposed think, to, it's supposed to be part of Chapter One. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, they're doing Superman. I mean, I think Creature Commandos is coming out first, and then Superman, and then I think Waller. Um, and then... I think I think Superman's twenty twenty five, and the Brave and the Bold is supposed to be twenty twenty six. If I remember correctly, and then the Pattinson movie, the second one. That's 2025, too. Yeah. So we'll back-to-back Batman years. Yeah, I, I want to see how they handle that, being separate universes. I don't know. I guess we'll see with the Penguin show, because that'll be the one that kind of kicks it off into its own little like pocket universe with being yeah. a fully-fledged show. Um, Everything I've that, seen from that is awesome. Yeah, I am really excited. That, that teaser that came out with pretty phenomenal so i am that is the thing i'm most excited for i still can't see how they they fixed colin farrell up to look the way he looks as oswald i love that he loves it though that he has so much fun that he's just like can we do that again you know (laughs) (laughs) um i think that's a wrap on this episode though um, we come, we hopefully, you know, you guys who stuck around with us, you saw the flash, you have your own thoughts. You either agree with BJ or Theo, you land in the middle, wherever, 
Um, thank you for listening to the Batman Universe podcast. You can always check out the BatmanUniverse.net for movie reviews, comic reviews, news, our other podcasts. Um, Editor-in-Chief Theo, who you heard here, is a regular host on the comic podcast. And every other week, Theo, Ian, and Steph go into all of the wonderful Bat books, for greater or for worse. <laughs> you can see here how they feel um, that come out, you know, every week. But um, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and I we can, look forward to... I can only say July is going to be quite interesting as we get into Night Terror. So you all definitely may want to, uh, if you haven't been much of a comic book fan, uh, tune in. But I will also say uh, we're looking at, you know, Scott and I do a lot of have done a lot of talking uh so there's a lot of stuff coming to tbu in the near future so you guys we we really want you to stick around and be here for it of course and join our discord and leave comments and you can send us emails at um tbu at the batman universe yeah, TBU at the, i was having a brain fart there <laughs> don't worry just write these it. things down but yeah that tbu at the batman universe.net um and we look forward to hearing from you and of course you can always at us in discord and leave a bunch of comments there too we will collect them and try to respond as best as we can but thank you and good hunting